there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom and making sense out of medical propaganda. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, Robert Scott Bell. It's that time of the week again. Yes, Advanced Medicine Monday. And it really kicks into gear when we get Dr. Rashid Bittar in here as well with the nine steps to keep the doctor away. All the kind of healing that uh, we can bring that it seemed like no one else was bringing in media. Dr. Bittar, welcome back, my friend. Always glad to be with you here. Same here, Robert. Always good to be with you. I know the stories that we can cover, and just just to catch any of the new listeners up, if it's possible, when we talk about healing, it isn't just one thing, it's everything. Much like in, in the best-selling book, of course, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, it isn't about a focus on only one cause for all disease. It's about all the things that create it, and it's about all the things we can do to, let's say, remedy it or empower people to heal themselves. I mean, these are the things you've invested your life in. Robert, it is. I would like to mention, though, the cause is actually the same in everything. That's oxidative stress. But the way that that common cause is manifested may be different for different people. One may be the fifth toxicity, the emotional, psychological. Another one may be the first toxicity, the heavy metals, etc. So, yes, there are different things that cause a problem, but the mechanism of damage is the same, which is oxidative stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, that's caused by many things, and stress being the primary among it, but some people still perceive stress as only uh, like an emotional stress or a money stress, and they'll often overlook the physiological ones that you also certainly identified in your practice and have helped many people, and children especially, to overcome. Right, exactly. The toxicity is, is a major, major source of stress on the body. That's an oxidative stress. But it's not just the toxicities that we can measure and that are tangible, such as the heavy metals, the persistent organic pollutants, or the biologics, or the energetics, which energetics becomes a little bit more esoteric because it's a little bit harder to measure. But then there are other things that you can't necessarily have a quantitative method of measuring. And those would be things such as the emotional, the psychological, the spiritual, some of those other components. And then, of course, you've got the sixth toxicity, which is foods, and we're not talking about the additives and preservatives and the constituents within the foods because those would be covered in the first three toxicities, but we're talking about more what is done to the foods. So the irradiation, the pasteurization, the homogenization, the genetic modification of these foods, those are the types of things we're talking about. And those are things that are difficult to measure because we don't know what the consequences of those types of activities are, what what the consequences of those manipulations of the foods that we eat are. Mm-hmm. So the toxicity aspect, when I talk about toxicity in the book, and as you and I have talked about before on the show, mm-hmm. toxicity covers a whole gamut, but the commonality of that toxicity, or even if you don't have a proper, adequate baseline nutritional base, 
the problem that creates that pathology that manifests in an individual that one person may be heart disease, another person may be cancer, another person may be stroke, all starts from oxidative stress. Yeah, and indeed, there was a story I, I mentioned on, on Friday. We called it our moment of duh, which we do from time to time. You, you, you've read the story as well. You talk about how does oxidative stress lay into this, and this will be an interesting aspect that I didn't cover when I mentioned it. This story, lower IQ in boys exposed to pesticides. Now I'm thinking that uh, it makes sense to me, but why is this news? That's why I call it a moment of duh. I mean, how would you imagine they get smarter with exposure to something that creates such oxidative stress? Well, exactly. And in fact, there's uh, another story that you uh, sent to me from the producer, and that was also labeled as a moment of duh. And that was a couple of stories down from that particular one. It says nutrition of young children linked to IQ. Yes. Uh, reduced IQ in later years. Now, again, we would think, how is this related to oxidative stress? But think about it. Oxidative stress is going on all the time. It is part of the normal metabolic process that the body is undergoing. It is essentially the exhaust in the combustion system. Similarly, oxidative stress is the exhaust in our body's ability to burn fuel. Uh, we, We are constantly dealing with oxidative stress. In other words, you could be at the optimum in in your health and mm-hmm. physiology and everything's perfect and have no toxicity in your body, but you're still going to have oxidative stress because the process of actually just living, the metabolism process has oxidative stress. When you exercise and you increase that oxidative stress, so you can't get away from oxidative stress because that is part and parcel of the living process. Sure. It's when the oxidative stress burden gets too high and there's not enough to compensate for it the, the, when I say compensate, that's the antioxidants. We all have heard about antioxidants, antimony against oxidants, oxidative stress. So it's the antioxidants that neutralize that oxidative stress that we're going through. And a proper nutritional base is key to making sure that there's reduced oxidative stress. If you don't have the proper nutritional intake, then your body is actually being skewed over to that imbalance side at a greater level because you don't have the antioxidants, but you also don't have the fuel that's necessary in order to reduce that oxidative stress. Certain types of foods may have a greater oxidative stress in the process of metabolizing those foods than other foods. So obviously the nutrition of young children linked to a lower IQ in later years and the lower IQ in boys exposed to pesticides, two different studies, but yet it shows it's not just the toxicity, it's also the nutritional basis, which is going to lead to a relative toxicity or a relative skew towards the toxicity side, if not maintained in a proper balance. Yeah, Dr. Batar, if we look at the oxidative stress issue, sometimes uh, physicians and, and holistic health care providers are actually using the oxidative uh, potential or maybe increasing it in certain therapies, which can be confusing, and I, I'm sure you can clear this up. Uh, the idea, for instance, of using ozone. In healing, ozone therapy, which is, is, is it not using oxygen in relationship to oxidation? Yeah, this is a great, great uh, point that you brought up, Robert, and thank you for bringing it up because I know you know the answer to this, obviously, but many of the listeners may not. So that's a great point to bring up. The use of oxidative therapies in medicine, think of it as kind of slapping up the immune system to wake it up or slapping <laughs> up a system to kind of awaken it. When we do use the ozone as an example, which we do in our clinic, we use ozone autohemotherapy. We use other types of oxidative therapies such as hydrogen peroxide intravenously. Mm-hmm. We use other things such as uh, ultraviolet blood irradiation. Many of these are considered to be in that realm of oxidative therapies. And these oxidative therapies, what they're designed to do is essentially wake up the system. Now, when you think about 
hydrogen peroxide being used intravenously, the first thing most people would say, oh, my God, how can you do that? But what they don't realize is that the normal white blood cell in the normal human body, when it releases certain components, like some of the interleukins, for instance, the mechanism of destruction against the bacteria or whatever pathogen that it's going against is by the release of hydrogen peroxide. It's a natural metabolic process, the, the creation of hydrogen peroxide. I mean, what is hydrogen peroxide? It's H2O2. What is water? H2O. Mm-hmm. You know, it's two molecules of hydrogen with one molecule of oxygen. Hydrogen peroxide is two molecules of hydrogen with two molecules of oxygen. So it's a very, very similar type of substance, and the body actually creates its own hydrogen peroxide. So oxidative therapies are utilized in the body, and naturally that doctors use and uh, that the body's own natural physiological mechanisms are are uh, designed to create in order to be able to ward off and ward off the things that shouldn't be in the body and also to increase the immune response. But let's just use ozone as an example. When you use ozone, you're creating a burst of oxidative stress, which obviously we've already discussed. Uh, increasing oxidative stress is not a good idea, but when we create this in- increased burst of oxidative stress, there's a mechanism behind it. There's a method to the madness that's being utilized, and I'll explain it this way. Think of the blood as this major highway, and the highway has a lot of trash in it, a lot of um, stuff that shouldn't be in there. And those are the bacteria, the viruses, the you know, spirochetes, mycoplasma, abnormal cells, mutated cells, cancer cells, whatever, all this trash that shouldn't be there. And basically when you put in ozone, into the bloodstream, it's like a wall of fire that comes down. Think of a tunnel. Think of firemen inside this tunnel. Think of people inside this tunnel that are not firemen. And then think of this burst of fire that comes down the tunnel and the fire just wreaks havoc and for 10 seconds just burns everything in in its path in this tunnel. Well, the firemen have the fire retardant blankets that they can pull over the head to protect themselves. And the firemen would be, they're supposed to be in that tunnel. So those would be analogous to the healthy cells in our body. And those healthy cells have a fire retardant blanket, if you will, to protect them against this huge burst of oxidative stress called oxidase. These are enzymes within the cells that actually are released in order to protect the cells, the, the normal healthy cells. However, the people that aren't supposed to be in there, the trapped stuff that's not supposed to be in this tunnel, that would be analogous to the viruses, the bacteria, the spirochetes, all these other mutated cells, cancer cells, fungus, etc. That's not supposed to be there. Well, these mutated cells, the cancer cells, the yeast, the mycoplasma, bacteria, viruses, they don't have the capability of increasing peroxidase and catalase within, within their own systems. And so they become very susceptible and exposed to this burst of fire, which when it comes in, just wipes everything out. Now, the... To kind of bring this into a more practical sense, I just had an uh, ozone UVBI done yesterday and the day before because I found a tick on my head. I I naturally get these once every month as part of my own. Well, yeah, you're out in the the ranch. I mean, you're out there in in the woods and things. It would be surprising if you didn't have something like this occur. Well, this this summer so far I've had three ticks on me. And this particular one, I found it, and I didn't think it had bit me, but when I – within a couple of hours, I noticed that it was swollen back there where I pulled it off in the back of the – my my scalp and the occiput region and so i was you know there's always a possibility of lyme's disease and again i believe that lyme's in these type of conditions they're opportunistic that's why i categorize them under the third toxicity uh, my immune system is very strong i have responses all the time you know when people say oh, I'm sick, that's not a good thing so i 
I don't get sick, but I have a runny nose or whatever. So I know my immune system's intact. I get my regular treatments. I've done a lot of detoxification over the years. But I knew that because I had the stick bite, I better get some ozone because that'll basically kill everything. Now, right. I was also fasting. And, and normally when you fast, at least with me, I've noticed and some of my patients that have fasted for health purposes, the blood looks really, really red, nice and bright red. When I had my blood pulled out, it was extremely dark. And it just so happened that one of my patients was there getting treatment at the same time, and her blood was just bright red. And we compared it. We were looking at it. We were commenting. And I actually thought the bright red was mine. And the other one was a patient that was that we were treating for cancer. But she's at the end of her treatment, and that was actually the bright red was hers. And mine was unbelievably dark, almost beyond maroon, almost to the point of being looking black which made sense why it was that way because there was a bunch of other things that showed up anonymous and myself. We w- took that thing through ozone, th- took that blood through ozonation and put it back up and the difference was literally night and day. It was that drastic. And the next day I did it, it was already lighter. Not as dark as the first day, but then it got even lighter. When I said lighter, I don't mean like, uh, when I said lighter, I mean more brighter, more bright red. So sometimes blood, if it's really, really polluted, will look black, dark maroonish, when it's clean and healthy, it'll look bright red, just like crimson red. And that is how, just by visually looking at it, you can tell the difference. And so that's the before and after of the ozone. So what's the ozone yeah. doing? It's going in there, killing everything that shouldn't be in there, basically sterilizing, cleaning everything, and only the healthy stuff is still there. And that's why we would use ozone in a clinical practice, and I know that was a long time. Well, no, it's huge and intense, but I mean, that's when we, when we talk about advanced medicine. We live up to it. That's what you do. And, and the thing is, making it accessible to people. I, I want to come back from this break because I had someone I talked to recently, and you and I talked about this as well in dealing with uh, people that are in the autistic spectrum, so to speak, as it's been defined or as it's, uh, the terms are used out there in medicine, and have, uh, let's say, gone for ozone therapy, and it didn't work or exacerbated. We've talked briefly about this, but I want to address this because it's it's a matter of using these things appropriately, not just using them or having access to them, but finding out where we use them. So that's what we're going to do next on the Advanced Medicine Monday version of the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Rashid Bachar. All the links are up at robertscottbell.com, including the links to the best-selling, international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. Check it out. Back after this with more of Dr. Bachar. If you're looking for FDA-approved radio, you're listening to the wrong show. This is the Robert Scott Bell Show. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. Back with some advanced medicine and, of course, sometimes known as Medical Rewind. A lot of the links are up. If you missed any, it's real easy to access them through MedicalRewind.com. And even better, AdvancedMedicineSeminars.com. Why did I say that? Well, we've mentioned it, Dr. Batar and I, but it's happening. Uh, September 21st and 22nd in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. How cool is this? I'll be there. And, of course, Dr. Batar will be there. We'll be talking about some others as well. But you can check it all out, AdvancedMedicineSeminars.com. Very excited to be up there with you. Well, it's going to be a great, great event, and it's only the first of many because our goal is to have this event every two months in a different city, cover the entire United States within a one-year period, do six a year, and uh, the the schedule of the events is already up there. We will be – the goal is at least we will be mm-hmm. spreading 
information far and wide and allow other people to have the opportunity to tell their family, friends, loved ones, whoever may benefit from this information to come. Because it's so difficult to cover something in an hour or two hours, as you know, Robert. Yes. Have a whole day event where all their questions have been predetermined to be what the most typical questions are. And we basically will answer them. There will be a couple of presentations. And then, of course, there will be an opportunity to have all the questions answered, as many as we can handle. Um, people have been asking, so is this going to be an 8 to 5 event? Well, it is kind of an 8 to 5 event. The first day is going to be for healthcare providers, and the second day is going to be open to the general uh-huh. general session for, for everybody, for providers and for the lay public. But I anticipate that we're going to go a lot beyond 5 o'clock because uh, you and I tend to <laughs> – do whatever is necessary, and and you know we people may think, oh well, we're dedicated to this and that. I, I, I speak for myself here, and I think I speak for you. It's actually that we get reinvigorated, and it refuels us as we see people uh, getting the information that they need and becoming empowered with that knowledge. And so it's not as if we're sitting there saying, oh well, it's almost six o'clock now, and we got to stop. Uh, the only reason I would stop is uh, if I needed a bathroom break or needed. A- <laughs> Yes, exactly. Well, you know, we're we're driven by this passion to help people to bring the power to heal back to them. And so it's exciting. We can bring this advanced medicine seminar kind of what we do in a, in a miniaturized version, although it's intense what we get out there. A lot of times it's fun, too, and we intend to have fun with it. The idea is to take it out and expand it and have the interaction. So those of you in the northeastern corridor or wherever you want to come from, plan ahead. Go to advancedmedicineseminars.com. We'll be getting more information each week as we get closer to that, but it's very exciting what's happening. Now, I want to go back to the ozone issue because I had a, a, a friend of mine who was on recently who had gone through ozone therapy and I suspect is very metal and mercury toxic because she went in and had this treatment done. They don't know what's going on. It is Lyme. It's not Lyme. And it's one of those cases, the medical mysteries. And so she went in and had ozone therapy, and it just made her worse. And I said, I'm not saying that ozone is wrong for you, but I'm saying the sequencing could be wrong for you if you have not addressed the metal burden that I suspect you have. So I want you to bring that aspect of out so people not only learn about these good potential things, but also the the hazards of doing it wrong or in the wrong uh, sequence. Well, Robert, that's a fantastic point you brought up. Again, today you seem to be in a role and anticipating <laughs> points could be misunderstood by people. And this is actually a common misnomer among the healthcare profession itself, actually, because there is an important sequence to follow. And it would be similar to thinking of one step is getting in the car, the other step is opening the door. But it's very difficult to get inside the car if you don't open the door first. And so you have to make sure that those type of crucial timing components are addressed. Now, on an on a issue with this, like, is it Lyme's disease, is it not Lyme's disease, I will tell a story which may bring this point home. I've had a lot of patients, when I say a lot, maybe three, four dozen patients referred to me by doctors that are specializing in Lyme. And some of these doctors, they were actually, one of those doctors was in the movie, the movie was actually about he was a major component in the movie about the the Lyme's disease issue. I can't even remember what the name of the movie is, Robert, but I think we covered it in the show last year. Yes. Uh, anyway, so some of these patients came on their own accord from those doctors, and a few of them were referred to me by the doctors themselves because they had been treated with long course antibiotics for years, and the patients had shown some marginal improvement, and then had deteriorated or whatever the case was, there wasn't any continuation of the improvement. So when the patients came to me and we started dealing with them, started treating them, 
I, one of the questions that would always throw them off, they would ask me this question, and it would, my answer would always throw them off. And they'd say, Dr. Char, do you have a lot of experience with autism, uh, with, um, with Lyme's? Hmm. And I would say, well, the, it depends. What do you mean by experience? Well, have you treated a lot of Lyme's? And my response was always, well, I don't treat Lyme's. <laughs> so they're thinking, then why am I here? And I tell them, and, and by the way, every one of these cases, I would say probably, I shouldn't say maybe every one, maybe 95% plus of these cases. Right. And at the moment, I can't think of anybody that hasn't responded this way. Within three to four months, if the symptoms were not completely gone, Robert, the vast majority of those symptoms are gone. And the thing with Lyme's is Lyme's is considered the great masquerader. So to me, it's very, very simple. It's that higher seven toxicities. You know, the first one's a metal, second one's persistent organic pollutants, the third one's opportunistics. The third one, opportunistics, is where Lyme's falls in. Lyme's is caused by spirochy, and I won't go into all that aspect, but basically Lyme's falls into that third category. Well, the first category, the heavy metals, and the second category, the persistent organic pollutants, those two toxicities are highly immunosuppressive. If you have a suppressed immune system, your body can't respond naturally to the opportunistics or the what I call, uh, when I say the opportunistic toxicities, the third toxicities, that's the, the substances or the, the organisms that need an opportunity in order to manifest their toxicity. So those are the right. bacteria, viruses, you know, fungus, etc. aspire to fall into that category. And so you want to first and foremost upregulate the immune system. And the best way to doing that is get rid of the toxicities you know, you don't need IgG and immunoglobulins and, you know, interferon and all this kind of stuff that's just unbelievably uh, idiotic to me that somebody would use these things. Because let's say IgG, which, yes, it's, of course, it's going to bump your immune system, but for what? For what period? Right. Hours, 12 hours, 24 max. And then what are you going to do? Take another $500 IV again and you're going to continue doing that every day? I mean, that's a ridiculous concept to even use and many doctors are using this to, to help their autistic children or help this this person that person and it never works why because it's very very short-lived it's like mm-hmm. literally putting a band-aid over a hose that's got a huge rip on it yeah it may right. stop well for you know five seconds and then it's gonna burst right through that band-aid it doesn't do anything so you have to look at what is the cause and address the cause and here in this particular case by getting rid of the metals and by getting rid of the persistent organic pollutants first you then allow the immune system to start to Re, re-stimulate or re, reinvigorate or give an opportunity to reinvigorate and stimulate it and get it going in the right direction. Yes. And at that point, now your immune system has a chance to start working against the spirochetes. And now when you send in something like the ozone, mm-hmm. you basically get rid of uh, the bulk of it, if you will, and the immune system can now take over and start to deal with it. So what we do with some of our patients – when we, if we are going to hit them with uh, ozone UVBI, we do it for five days in a row. Then the second week, we do it three days in a row. And then after that, we do it for a week, one, once a week for X amount of weeks, depending on what the patient needs. And by that time, you know, by usually the second, third, fourth month, people are without any symptoms. They're doing great. They're feeling better. They haven't had, you know, that much energy in the last 10 years. They're, they're not on the chronic antibiotic therapy that's suppressing right. their endocrine, flora, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a whole cast it's a domino effect. So the reason that you brought this point up, Robert, which was so instrumental, and I'm so glad that you did. Again, you're the master weaver in creating this tapestry so that making sure that people understand clearly by looking at the picture what the intent behind the picture is. And that's yes. what kind of led me down this primrose path, if you will. But I'm so glad you did because it's so crucial for people to understand this component and how this works. And, and the order sometimes 
uh, is not as crucial. For example, whether you deal with the persistent organic pollutants in this particular case first or the metals first, that part of it can be rearranged. It doesn't matter. But to deal with the, the lines, to the spirochete itself, without addressing the first two toxicities is a crucial mistake that will not matter. I mean, it, 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 will, it will not matter what you do after that. It's just not going to work. It's crucial that it be done in that particular order, meaning that you deal with the toxicity aspect to reduce the burden on the immune system and thereby allow the opportunity, opportunity for the immune system to start doing its own job. Jane Garcia, my nurse practitioner, if she hears the show, I know she's going to be very, very upset with me for saying what I'm about to say, but the crucial component of this mistake would be the same thing as going to the bathroom and then on your pants afterwards. You need to force spill down your pants and then go to the bathroom. And so this is how important in the spirochete example, the Lyme example, it is for mm-hmm. the order. Sequencing. Meaning. Yeah, it, it is It is something that seems to be a logical, common-sense approach, but so many are almost enamored and overwhelmed by, let's say, a Lyme diagnosis. And, of course, it, it's like the germ theory that bled its way beyond its place in understanding how we interact with the microbial world. And instead, we... we even though we know better, we say, I say this in the general we, 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 <laughs> that, that we're supposed to be holistically inclined, but then modern medicine has lost it. They can't do it. Now they come to a naturally inclined one, and we put all, uh, let's say, our basic training to, and we throw it behind us. Like you said, we, we forget how to go to the bathroom, and we could jump right for the kill. Exactly. And, you know, the thing with Lyme's as an example is, as we mentioned earlier, that it is considered to be the great masquerader, and the CDC says that. For every one case that's diagnosed, it's probably 10 that are undiagnosed. And so there's, I think, 10 million were diagnosed last year, or there's been 10 million maybe diagnosed in the last 10 years. I don't know what it is, but the estimate is there's probably 100 million cases out there. I mean, 100 million in the United States, that's one out of three people that that have Lyme. But think about this way. How many people are bitten by ticks every year and don't have a problem with Lyme? So why does one person get it and why does another person not get it? Mm -hmm. And some say, well, because maybe the tick carried the spirochete and other people say, well, the, you know, and all ticks carried and other people say, no, only some ticks carried. Whatever the issue is, it really comes down to something very simple. And that simplicity is that some people are more susceptible to that spirochete than other people. And what allows for that susceptibility to remain existent and what allows for that susceptibility to be removed. I can't even speak. I'm talking too fast. So <laughs> you, well, like I said, I just pulled the, the Rashi Batar ripcord today, and you're going. And I love it because the information is so uh, vitally important and so not out there, in a let's say, in a spoken word sense. Of course, I still encourage everybody to pick up the nine steps to keep the doctor away because it's all laid out there beautifully, and there are videos and stuff, and we'll get more out at the Advanced Medicine Seminars. But to go through this week by week, and you can see how these things all fit together especially as as big an issue as Lyme is and as big a failure modern medicine has been. Let's be honest about how they've treated it through just antibiotic monotherapy or even multiple antibiotics and and just completely abandoning the idea of the terrain if they ever had it. Well, that's that's a crucial point, and that's the whole thing, that why does some person get it and why does another person not get it? It comes down, the simplicity of it, Robert, is this. One is more susceptible because they're more toxic. They have a more... Uh, greater burden that they have to deal with and the other that doesn't get it doesn't have that toxicity that's leading to that immunosuppressive perfect scenario opportunistic type scenario to allow that pathogen to set up house in this particular case the spirochete and so one is more susceptible because they're more toxic one has no susceptibility or virtually no susceptibility because they're not toxic and that's really what it comes down to 
Beautiful. Well, let's take a break here, and we'll continue to remove the toxins and uh, replenish the healthy terrain. Those of you who are new to this on Mondays, we do this every week, a very special time of the week. We kick it off with Dr. Rashid Bittar, do advanced medicine. It's also known as the Medical Rewind, and you can link it up, see it all at robertscottbell.com. Lots of great stuff that outreach, more powerful healing than anywhere else in media. Back after this. in the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. With all the information we're relating today on Advanced Medicine Monday here with Dr. Bittar, it, it can be overwhelming, but then some people will say, well, I kind of get it generally, and it's fascinating, but what about me? What about my circumstance, right? And we were talking about my friend who may have had uh, what, what I would perceive as a homeopathic healing crisis. Maybe the docs didn't understand the, the detox pathways, didn't open them up properly, and there's a technical name for the healing crisis as well. Well, Robert, it's actually not even that it wasn't necessarily that the pathways weren't opened up right. Even if the pathways are opened up right, it's the natural process of detoxification will elicit what they call that healing crisis known as the Herxheimer's response. And I think it's important to understand that when somebody is dealing with some type of toxicity issue, some type of pathology issue, they've gone through this dark tunnel and they're now continuing down that dark tunnel. If you want to get back out of that dark tunnel, if you want to recover, many times you have to come back and go through that same path that you went through to get there. You have to come back through that same path. There's only one way out of the cave. It's out through that same tunnel. And so that Herxheimer's response is a healing crisis that is something that is part and parcel of getting better. In other words, you will get worse before you get better. It is the scraping off of the barnacles off of the uh, side of the ship, if you will. You know, you're going to have a lot of muck at the bottom as you start scraping this off. Or, or maybe a better analogy would be you look outside and the sky is kind of uh, hazy. The, the grass is kind of brown. You need a lot of rain. You know that the, you know, we, we're, we're in a drought situation. And then after the rain comes, you've got the beautiful sky that's now brighter and blue. And you yes. see the fields, it's nice and green. But what happens in order for that sky to go from that haziness to the blue or the grass to go from the brown to the green? You had to have that rain. And when the rain came, there was a storm. And that storm is that Herxheimer's response. It is that, that harshness that hits in order to clean everything and make it all anew. So it's important to understand that the Herxheimer's response, even if the pathways are opened up optimally, you may have – the sicker you are, the chances are the better – the better chances are that you will have a Herxheimer's response. And it's important to embrace it, accept it, and look forward to it. In fact, our shift that we talk about when we're treating our cancer patients, that is nothing but that uh, Herxheimer's response that they're getting when the body's immune system is recognizing the cancer for the first time as being foreign and starts responding to it. That is, yeah, that is absolutely brilliant, and it, and it's and it's something that I think we can all tap into. But it's almost so obvious that it's it's easy. It's been easy, evidently, to overlook. We've been, you know, hoodwinked in a sense by magicians and wizards who, hey, don't look at that. Come on over here for our medicine, of course. And these people are genuinely struggling and looking out. And saying, where do I go? Who do I trust? That's why we're here consistently all the time. Because there are people that come and go all the time with these messages like the carnival barkers and the hucksters. And they run and hide. Then they come back out again in another incarnation. We, you know, we're out here all the time saying consistently the same thing. Teaching, teaching, teaching. Getting people to the point where if you're ready, tap into this information. We'll get you where you need to go. 
the, the Herc sandwich type concept is a difficult concept for a lot of people to really embrace because in the conventional realm of medicine, it is not something that's talked about. You don't have a healing crisis. The entire aspect of treatment with the conventional realm in the using the pharmaceutical model as opposed to the uh, physiological model is to cover up the symptom, to cover up any type of negative response, whereas that negative response is really the body healing itself. It's the screeching off the brakes as a car turns around and starts heading the right way. Yeah. Well, exactly. And, and the tools to do that, they're, they're available. Sometimes they can be right in your, your neighborhood health food store. Sometimes it can be by going to see a holistic health care provider. We try to bring you those tools. We try to really, I, I think more than, you know, like Yoda says, do or do not. There is no try. You know, that kind of concept. It's more than trying. It's literally putting this into practice, listening to your body, opening up the pathways, and suddenly the miracle occur, occurs. But the miracle was that, we, you know, could we listen? Can we hear the message? And if we don't clear it out, then we're too gunked up. We never get the message. Well, and that's the that's a very, very good point. In fact, you know, you mentioned sometimes the solution may be as simple as going down to the neighborhood grocery store and finding it and sometimes you may need to actually find a healthcare provider but just think about this taking a walk every day it's getting the heart pumping the blood is circulating better it's going through the natural filters that your body already has the liver and the kidneys that in itself is a therapy that's one reason one i've got a whole chapter on exercise and what type of exercise is the best but that's just an example of something that people can do to, to help to stimulate the immune system, to upregulate the entire physiological response, to get the stuff pumping. The solution to pollution is dilution. So, okay, how do you do that? But you start to drink a lot of water. That's another component. And then when you exercise, you're pumping that increased volume through the whole system. So now you've got that solution to pollution is dilution. We're yes. diluting it, and then we're getting it pumped out of the system. And th- these are the some simple, basic, I mean, I'm just paraphrasing a couple of things right now, Robert. You know what I'm doing. But yes. it's pointing out you don't need... Uh, a lot of tools and you just need common sense and you need to understand what's going on and understand how your body works and by doing so by understanding how your body works you become empowered with this knowledge and once you're empowered with the knowledge now you have become autonomous to the prevailing traditional model that you need drugs and you need doctors and you need this that that's why the book is called nine steps to keep the doctor away right because my goal was really to to keep the doctors away and I, some of the people that have been the biggest fans of the book, they tell me that uh, there was a doctor that interviewed me on his radio show uh, about a month and a half ago in California, and and he told me that the even though he's a physician himself, he said that the book was such an important component, and it's one of the things he recommends now to everybody in his practice because the the steps are so practical and they're so easy to implement. The key is consistency, but the results so outweigh the simplicity of implementing the steps, meaning the reward, the, the reward ratio that you get is exponentially higher than what you would think because the amount of time invested in the, and how hard they are and how little they cost is virtually nil compared to the type of benefit that you get. <laughs> yes, I, I know. And it, it's amazing when we look at it from the law of economy standpoint, you know, to get the most out of every mile, all of our efforts have that kind of flow about them and it's a struggle uh, perhaps for us all at some point and i think the reason it is is so that we will learn to make these movements and uh, perhaps stop getting detoured in such a way and the, the detour for me in my life dr batar quite honestly was was necessary for me to learn the things that i'm relating on the radio show six days a week and doing even more when we get together once a week as well 
such a beautiful, beautiful point, Robert. It really is what you just said because the patients that I find that do the best after they've been diagnosed with cancer are the patients that say exactly what you just said. And they say that I believe that this challenge is there to teach me something. Mm-hmm. And it's that profoundness that when they realize that that cancer is not the problem, it's just simply a warning sign. It's a wake-up call. It's a, you know, hey, are you alive in there? Are you awake? Is your brain functioning? Get up and do something. That's, that's all it is. And the people that see that health challenge as a wake-up call, as an opportunity, are the ones that do the best because they've embraced the issue, they've recognized what needs to be done, and recognizing, as they say, is half the battle. Oh, yeah. I have a dear friend who wrote a, a beautiful little song. She sung a cappella about the stones in the path. And it was basically a song about thank you for the, the stones in my path today, especially the ones in the way. And this is how it ended. I mean, I'm, I didn't carry you through emotionally through the whole thing. It's just a beautiful visual that we often curse those stones in our path, but they're the most uh, uh, valuable to us in our journey. Now, wherever you know you, your journey, you feel like your journey is taking you, or where you're taking yourself, if if you have that direction, and it's just a beautiful concept, just like you said. And those with cancer, those that recognize it, have the most success in not only overcoming it, but probably helping many others beyond that. Exactly, helping others is another component to that. Uh, Rob, I would love to hear that song, by the way, and send that to me after we get off the air. I'd love to hear it. Oh, absolutely. We'll do it. Uh, we'll, we'll find that as well. Listen, well, let's take a break. We're going to wrap up Advanced Medicine Monday, another profound discussion with Dr. Rashid Batar. Remember, Advanced Medicine Mondays is coming to you, maybe a, a city near you. The first one up, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, September 21st and 22nd. I've got the links up also in today's show note descriptions. Check it out at robertscottbell.com. It'll take you there. See all the great things that are happening for the healthcare providers on the 21st, the 22nd, everybody it opens up to. And we'll talk more about that. I'll be there as well. Very excited for what is happening. Dr. Batar, stand by. We are back to wrap up this Advanced Medicine Monday after this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Show. In addition to all the medical stuff we discussed, Dr. Batar, of course, we always enjoy talking about health freedom, freedoms on all levels, political, economic, you name it. And, of course, a lot of the the stories in the news are tending to be negative and fear-mongering. Some are legitimately frightful events, like the the recent shootings of the Sikh temple. The Sikhs are very peaceful. They're they're not linked to any sort of anything. But regardless, now it's an international event because the Indian government has claimed outrage to the Obama administration as if he's responsible. Obama could say, hey, we need more gun control. But what about the question being raised? The 200,000 farmers linked deaths of farmers linked to Monsanto. Why isn't the Indian government complaining about that? Well, first, Robert, I don't understand. It's, it's a little conspicuous, don't you think, that something happens to the, um, the six and the Indian government is expressing outrage to Obama? Yeah. Mean, wh- wh- why is that? Why are they expressing outrage to Obama? I don't understand that. I- I'm suspicious. I mean, I think this is part of that global UN agenda, quite honestly, with what we've seen. We, we, how can we disarm the Americans? Because they're the only thing standing between total global domination of a government. You know, the people being disarmed, that's it. Tyrannical government, there's no stopping it. So for I, I me, think, I'm suspicious. 
I've said this for a long time that the one thing that they're not taking into court is the the, the right to bear arms and that uh, constitutional right, which we're the only country that has that. I mean, we're the only country where you have, you know, a third to half population that's packing. So, yeah. <laughs> How do you do that? And, and you're right. This is, to me, again, goes right back to that false flag event type of a scenario. Yeah, and that is something that awareness is, is raised here. Some people still don't understand the connection between anything. There are those who have said that it, it, if it happens on a global stage, you can bet on some level it's planned. If not, there are contingencies for if this happens, this is how we respond, because we must program the population to respond to not ask questions, like the always the lone gunman theory. You know, case in point, why we love of Liam Sheff so much in his book, Official Stories. He's busting up the official stories because it's always there to protect the officials. Yeah, you know, I've got to get a copy of that book. I spend so much time on his website. i got to get a copy of that book. I really want to get the copy of that book. That's like perfect reading on the plane and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, you will dig it big time, Dr. Batar. I mean, it is that amazing. And the thing, he weaves it so well with the humor, and it, it takes these long, it could be a whole book on any one of those chapters, but the way he weaves it, you, you're coming out, and then the resources to other things, it's a lot of fun. And and then you, you begin to look at things much like in health that we talk about, but you begin to look at everything differently. And you're not made, let's say, a victim as easily in that case. You're actually becoming the, the creator or co-creator of your world because those other people want to control you. Suddenly you look at them and go, uh-uh, not going to work anymore. You know, Robert, it's true that when you're not a victim, you're the opposite immediately. It's, it's almost like the adage, if you're not part of the solution, you're by definition a part of the problem. In other words, if you're not a victim, then the only opposite thing of a victim is somebody who is not a victim. Uh, <laughs> yes. What would be the antagonist of a victim? Um, I don't mean like a, an inducer of, of harm to somebody, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, and that stuff is very powerful because when you stop seeing yourself as this being that has no control and you see yourself as having control, when you become empowered, you know, there's a whole cascade of events, again, like that domino effect that starts taking place. You start feeling stronger. You feel better. You feel more aware. You become more uh, stronger. You become more resilient. Yes. The, the cascade continues and continues. And so to me, just the fact that there's an opportunity for people to understand why they're not a victim and they're really – there's something else at play over here – has such dramatic implications and allows them for to to become uh, masters of their own destiny. Mm-hmm. Well, and isn't that what we'd like to see for everybody? I mean, wouldn't we all be better off if people were empowered and were actually acting on their power to create the world that they want to be in? I mean, would there be, be less time or no time spent on worrying about what everybody else is doing, messing with everybody else's business? I mean, I know that's an idealistic thing, but doesn't it start as well by feeling like, hey, I've got control over my physiological destiny, which has been lost due to the monopolization of medicine in the way it is today? Well, exactly. If, they, if we believe what monotheistic religions teach us, that we are built in the image of the creator, then isn't that what we would want? We would want to be – I mean the creator is all empowered, is all knowing, all powerful. And so as you said, isn't that what we would want from everybody? That's exactly what we would want. And I think that this comes back to what we've talked about, the sinister aspects and the evil. You know, There's a difference, but you go beyond beyond right and wrong to good and evil when certain things are being done on a global scale. And so – I think that the powers don't want us to be empowered like that, and and it is our 
creator-given right to be empowered and to be to be everything. Yes. Yes, but so many of us were taught, or maybe inadvertently, it wasn't even an overt teaching, but the very fact, like my upbringing, bringing up, being brought up with the medical uh, uh, interventions on so many levels, we didn't question. It was just, here, take this, and that is not being a creator in your own world. It's just like, okay, whatever, you're waiting for the next handout, and that happens on so many levels. Well, you know, we could say, oh, it's all about wealth, but welfare happens in a subtle way, too, medically. Oh, absolutely. I think it's actually happening more and more on a blatant level if you think about it and we're not you know we're not um sugarcoating it like we do the welfare aspect mm-hmm. we're just making it as if it's the only way and anybody who steps out of that box of the medical traditional conventional model is ridiculed you know it there's one thing with the welfare mentality of of um having a sense of entitlement but there's another greater destructive emotion that they can create, and that is one of ridicule, because nobody wants to be ridiculed. Right. No, I, that's the thing. And until you have such a, a point where you're like, you realize that the ridiculers are ridiculous, and you'll go, eh, have at it. <laughs> you just, there's that point, too, as well, when you know so, so much of their own absurdity, it doesn't phase you in the same way. But at the same point in time, there are still people falling prey to that. And I hope that, that that's a big reason why people are tuning in to Advanced Medicine Monday here every week on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Dr. Batar. Well, Robert, it's funny you brought that up because one of my staff said that the greatest line that they liked that I had was when 2020 asked me, and I think Fox TV even did this in San Diego a couple of years back when they asked me, well, how do you respond to you know Dr. So-and-so from uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the present American Academy of Pediatrics, or Yale University, 2020 did this with Yale University. I don't even remember who these doctors were. And I remember thinking in my head when they asked, well, obviously I must be doing something right because I don't know who they are, but they know who I am. But regardless, they, the the line that they liked so much was when they said, well, how do you respond, Dr. Pichar, to these uh, to so-and-so at this university when they said that you were a charlatan practicing quackery? And my response was, well, I don't really don't care what you call me and what you title it. As long as you don't put me in the same category as them, I'm, I'm happy with it. <laughs> Brilliant. Beautifully said. Dr. Batar, always a pleasure to be with you. We are out of time here on this Advanced Medicine Monday. But remember, if you've missed any of them, they're all available for free download. Check it out. We've got them linked at Advanced Medicine Seminars as well through the blog at robertscottbell.com. Until next week, Dr. Batar, we'll keep rocking and rolling like we do in health and healing and remind everybody that the power to heal is yours. 